lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can also follow Steve Dace, me, on MeWe, Parlor and Gab and look for clips of the program at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. Coming up on the program today, uh, we will have Theology Thursday. A couple more listener questions that I want to answer uh, because several of you have similar questions. I've gotten these two questions quite a bit. We'll get into those coming up uh, next hour as well as three non-political questions. At the bottom of the hour, John Solomon from Just the News will be joining us to discuss Just the News. Uh, But he also... Years ago, when he was just a wee lass reporter, um, had uncovered some things about Anthony Fauci that, frankly, I did not know. And we didn't know as we were putting together the research for our best-selling book, Fauci and Bargain. Um, these are things I think you should know as well. We'll get into those details with John and more at the bottom of the hour. A man who, of course, his credibility should be questioned because he was dumb enough to once hire me. But before we get to all of that, here's a rundown of what happened from Aaron while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by yet another step towards, hell yes, we did it. Lord Farquaad testified in front of senators again yesterday and was asked this by Senator Kennedy. I believe you have testified that that, uh, you didn't give any money to the Wuhan lab to conduct gain-of-function research. Is that right? That is correct. How do you know they didn't lie to you? Excuse me, sir? How do you know they didn't lie to you and use the money for gain-of-function research anyway? Well, we've seen the results of the experiments that were done and that were published and that the viruses that they um, uh, studied are on public databases now. So none of that was gain-of-function. So, How do you know they didn't do the research and... Uh, not put it on their website. There's no way of guaranteeing that. So you don't think the Chinese would lie to you? Well, when you say the Chinese, the Chinese are a rather broad group. I know the scientists that we've dealt with have been trustworthy. Mm-hmm. You think all the scientists uh, have told the truth in terms of the origin of the Wuhan virus and not been influenced by the Communist Party of China, do you? I don't have enough insight into the Communist Party in China to know the interactions between them and the scientists, sir. He also had this to say about the World Health Organization. If you took President Xi Jinping and turned him upside down and shook him, the World Health Organization would fall out of his pocket. I don't think I can answer that question, sir. I'm sorry. Well, do you think that the... uh, President Xi Jinping has undue influence over the World Health Organization, do you? I have no way of knowing the influence of the president of China over the WHO. In other news, Facebook, given the proverbial all clear by government, says it will not censor content from its platform anymore, questioning whether the source of the virus 
was man-made. New York Times reporter with a name I can't pronounce tweets, Someday we will stop talking about the lab leak theory and maybe even admit its racist roots. But alas, that day is not yet here. Checking in on Australia and New Zealand relations, the best of friends. Tom Steinford from 60 Minutes. Do you sometimes have to bite your tongue of upsetting the regime in Beijing? No. Just what are the Kiwis up to now? It's very much a deal with the devil. On 60 Minutes... I think anybody who doesn't see it as an opportunity would be stupid. We thought they were our best friends. We're that big, mate. We're not ringing China up and saying anything other than would you like more milk. But it looks like they've ditched us. Step right up. For a fast Chinese buck. To me, we are friends with benefits. Could it be that New Zealand is turning into New Zealand? I reject the premise of the question. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is, there are two words in Mandarin for John and Sina. Checking in on our neighbors to the north. The animosity of the believers towards the Yahud is based on religious grounds. This is Canadian Imam Janus Kathrada, who says the enmity of the Jews towards the believers is unjust, whereas the enmity of believers towards the Jews is just and sensible. If you do not hate the opponents of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have no faith. Update on Woderbrod, a forensic audit of ballots in Wyndham, New Hampshire, found 60% of ballots with hand or machine-made folds were improperly read by the four AccuVote optical scanning machines used in the 2020 election. The error apparently affected only one race for state representative and benefited Democrat candidate Christy St. Laurent. Dominion Voting Systems is claiming human error is the cause of a glitch during a primary election a couple of weeks ago in Luzerne County, Pennsylvania. The glitch caused machines to not display Republican ballots, even for those registered as a Republican. And finally, here's Senators Cotton and Kennedy grilling Biden's nominee for the head of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. You have called for an assault weapons ban. I have a simple question for you. What is an assault weapon? Senator, um, an assault weapon would be, in in the context of the question you asked, what Congress uh, defines it as. So you're asking us to ban assault weapons. We have to write legislation. Can you tell me what is an assault weapon? An ATF in that program has defined an assault rifle as any semi-automatic rifle capable of accepting a detachable magazine um, above the caliber of 22, which would include a 223, which is, you know, largely the so, AR-15 round. I got 35 seconds left. Define it for me, would you please, sir? Um, What's an assault weapon? Yeah, Senator, uh, um, the bill uh, to ban assault what, weapons is what is your dozens of pages. Of There's weapon. no way I could define an assault weapon. You don't have any. Second. You're going to run an, this agency, and you don't have a definition of assault weapon. But I would be enforcing the definition that members yeah, of Congress. Yeah, but you're going to be passed. issuing rules and regulations. Just give me your definition. Um, I'll give you one definition that ATF. Give me your definition. Uses. One definition that ATF currently... Give me your definition. I can give you one definition. If you won't answer my question, how can I vote for you? I'm done, Mr. Chairman. And that's what happened while we were away.
Well, after these crazy times, maybe you need a little glass of wine to wind you down. How about um, some of the best imported wine around from high altitudes in Argentina? Uh, Malbec grapes grown at 9,000 feet, lab tested as well. So there's a health benefit with resveratrol. They've got 10 times the levels of that longevity and heart health nutrient that you can find in most other uh, events and resveratrol, powerful stuff, pops up in a lot of studies when it comes to longevity, heart health, brain health, etc. These wines also 90% less sugar, fewer chemicals, additives, and they're delicious. All three of us have tried our share of these wines. They're phenomenal. And with grilling season now here, uh, red wine goes great with red meat too. Uh, and they taste great. Like I just said, blackberry, leather, smoked cherry. If you want to give them a shot right now, how about 50% off their best Malbecs right now at Patriot Wine. 2021.com. You don't need a promo code for this one, just the website. Patriot Wine, 2021.com. 50% off, not just the wines, but 50% off of the shipping as well. 50% off the wines, 50% off the shipping makes a great gift, particularly with Father's Day just around the corner. Patriot Wine, 2021.com. Coming up in today's overtime for Blaze TV subscribers, we're going to, you know, we had so much fun playing this what if game yesterday where we went back to the 2016 presidential primary and we we wondered if we had these versions of Rand Paul and Ted Cruz how things might or might not have turned out differently for either of those two men and therefore the Republican Party and maybe even the presidency of the United States right yep let's do it today with Donald Trump we're going to play a game of what if what if Donald Trump had pursued the process Ron DeSantis did in Florida when it came to COVID and lockdowns, meaning an initial lockdown, but then once real-time data began to come in, say, yeah, we're not, we're following science. We're not doing this anymore. What or how could the last year have been different? How might the country be different right now? Or maybe not at all, maybe worse. We don't know. We're going to have some fun playing this little thinking exercise of what if later today for our Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you'll be able to watch it later today. We'll record it for you right after today's live show finishes. And then we'll upload it later today for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. And if you're not yet a subscriber and want to be one, um, that's also, though, where you can go and subscribe right now. Get a discounted subscription so you'll get today's overtime and all the other exclusive content we do each day right here at Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash dace. Let's get to the overtime. And I want to make a couple of uh, big picture observations off of, uh, or what did I say, overtime again? I meant montage. Let's get to the montage. And I want to make a couple of big picture observations off of what Aaron had in his rundown to make sure that we don't get bogged down in details. I mean, the details matter. We can't skirt them either, but I want to make sure we see the forest through the trees here. There's a bigger picture happening here. Let's start with Facebook. Which, if you do what I do for a living, and you do it the way I do it, or our colleague Daniel Horowitz does it, for example, they have done everything they could in this last year to make it far more difficult for you to make that living. And I've seen the entire Blaze platform has been demonetized on Facebook because of things I've said and done. 
and on and on it goes. If I had, and here's why that's a problem, because there's a, there's a small, I wish it was larger, but there's a small conglomerate of you that will say, well, just bypass Facebook and just, you know, talk to people on MeWe and Gab and Parler. I would love that. I Would you like that? It would be nice. I would love to take everything I care about off my Facebook page and never need it again. Unfortunately, I, I mentioned it's a small conglomerate of you. The majority of you, um, that's how you access our content. Over 80% of Americans have a Facebook account. It's still by far, and there is no close second, the largest content aggregator outside of our own native RSS feed in our industry for you to access our content. So I, I would love to do this. I would love to. The great one, Mark Levin, gets away with it because he's the great one, all right? I mean, like, um, I mean, <laughs> there's race car drivers that piss excellence, and then there is, um, th there's talk show hosts that just, you know, raise a cheek and spit out a New York Times number one bestseller. That ain't me yet. Maybe never. I don't know. But where I am at in this industry, I, I cannot get enough of you access to my content independently of Facebook. Because just too many of you, that's where you go. You don't have a lot of time, right? You don't have time to join four, five, six social media accounts. The majority of America it lives on Facebook. That's the one you have time to join. And so it's where you can swap pictures of, you know, so-and-so catching their first big fish and get some political news at the exact same time. I can't get around it. I'd love to. But the ultimately, the market decides. You guys set the market. And you guys have determined, uh, a, a large majority of you, this is still the primary way you're going to access what I do. Now, if I had gone, so this is why big tech censorship's a big deal to people like us. This is why we tell you to take advantage of discounted subscriptions at Blaze TV, a previous television platform who will not be named any longer. Ding this, I still don't know why. I don't even know if they've told us. I don't know. But I, well, I do know why. I'm kicking their ass. That, that's why. And that could happen at a Facebook. That's why the one way you know you get it without any censorship is directly from us at blazetv.com slash days. So if I had gone on my Facebook page, we're up to about 125,000 followers there now. Uh, if, if I had gone on my Facebook page and said, guys, I've gotten a handful of emails from people who took the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And I don't know. I'm a little concerned. At least ask your doctor if they know about it. Blah, 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 blah. If I had done that, what's today? May 27th? If I had done that, like, say, March 27th or February 27th, I might have lost my Facebook page forever. Who knows? It might have ended up getting the entire Blaze platform demonetized on Facebook again. But then, what was it, early April, when the feds came out and said, hey, might be an issue with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, so we're going to hit pause for a bit and find out. Suddenly now, we were free to discuss the issues with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. 
once, get this now, get this now, what I'm about to say next, okay? Once government verified something, then it was okay for us on the largest social media platform on this planet, it was then okay for us to discuss it. Yesterday, we started this show off saying, we're going to connect some dots now. Someone needs to do it. And I, I wasn't kidding. When I told you yesterday on the show, I thought there was a possibility we'd lose our Facebook page over this. Right? We were just doing this in real time yes, yesterday. We yes. A little while after we signed off yesterday's show, what happened? Facebook announced that it was no longer going to censor people for talking about the Wuhan lab being the origin of the virus or even the fact, get this now, that the virus is man-made. We didn't quite go there. We certainly hinted at it. But we didn't like blatantly say it. I don't think. Maybe we did. I don't know. I don't think so. So yesterday at this time, we thought there's just too much evidence. We have been hesitant about connecting these dots until more evidence came in. I don't mind getting banned if I'm right. So I want to make sure you understand my thought process. I'm not holding back on saying these things because of a Facebook ban. I didn't get into this. I don't work for Facebook. I don't even work for the Blaze, guys. I work for me. They decide whether they want to buy my content for me or not. I'm self-employed. So I didn't, I didn't get into this because of Facebook or some other big tech Silicon Valley douchebag. I don't care. But I'm also not going to, I don't mind losing stuff if I can prove I'm right, but I want to make sure I can prove I'm right first. See the calculation I'm making? It's a good policy. Yeah, I'm not going to make it easy on them. But in the end, if it comes down to like what YouTube pulled on me, I mentioned their name, Voldemort, sorry. Uh, if, if it comes down to what they pulled on me the other day, then screw you. I know I'm right. Up yours. I don't care. But I want to, this was something I thought we had to make dang sure the circumstantial evidence for this was overwhelming before we went there. And I thought we had reached a point, particularly it was as it was being retconned in real time, right in front of us, that it was. So we went there yesterday. We thought this, we, we, I came on the air yesterday, I thought this was going to be like really risky. I go home, I start waiting for the Facebook strikes. By the time I have dinner, Facebook's like, hey man, it's all good. You can even go, you, you can even go with man-made virus now if you want. It's all good. Why? Because again, government said there may be merit to it. This is a very ominous trend if you believe in the basic freedom of speech which is one of the most basic freedoms we can have not quite as, as as basic as the freedom to breathe which apparently we didn't have for the last year but pretty basic after that one right yeah and even codified into law constitutionally the founders never codified the uh, the right to breathe because they kind of viewed that one to be self-evident But we are setting, there is a trend line being set here that we need to be aware of and very afraid of because to a dark, dark place does this go. And that trend line is when government says 
a topic has merit, we are free to discuss it in the most of mainstream of platforms that the vast majority of Americans get their information from. When government, when government, when government, when government affirms the premise. That could very well be the most dangerous subplot to come out of this last year. More dangerous even than we can put a face diaper on you and choke you out. Because there could very well be, who knows? There could very well be a day and time that we might have to, the thing is so contagious, you might have to wear a mask. I, I, can we be guaranteed of perfect outcomes here east of Eden? No. No. You know who believes in perfect outcomes? Utopians that make all the worst decisions in, his, in the history of history. We can't sit here and guarantee there will never ever be a contagion that wearing a mask would help us mitigate against in a life and death scenario. We can't do that. We can guarantee it doesn't do it with this one. We can guarantee you that. And if you were shocked by the University of Louisville, the study that came out yesterday, congratulations, you're in a cult. We can guarantee you that about this one. It doesn't help with this one. Do we, can we sit here today on May 27th, 2021 and guarantee that whatever else may come down the pike no. from the Chinese bioweapons program, it, the mask may not work? Can we say that? No. No. We can say it about this one, though, right? Yeah. But can we say that about everyone? No. Fauci trusts him, though, so. <laughs> I would argue this is the most dangerous subplot to come out of this entire episode. Even more dangerous than Wotterdorf is wheel, as now we have 60,000 ballots in a Pennsylvania primary that just weren't counted. And they all were the Republican ballots. Weird. It's just these always just innocent mistakes always just happen one way, isn't it? It's just odd, strange even. By the way, what voting machines did they use in Pennsylvania when that news came out? Come on, guess. Guess, guys. Guess. Guess which voter machines they used. Yeah, you know. We don't have to say. You know which ones they were. I mean, <laughs> this is even more dangerous than that. Because you think you're having a hard time pushing back against the 2012 or the 2020 election now? How about in a, in a future dystopia where government tells you what you are free to discuss in open forums or not? The Bill of Rights begins with the premise, Congress or government shall make no law, no law limiting the freedom of what? Speech. We have turned that on its head. That is a very dangerous trend line. And in my opinion, it's the most dangerous subplot that has come out of this entire last year, even more dangerous than the last election and the way that went down. Because on a fundamental, on a, on a fundamental process, this is our only safe way, nonviolent way, non-confrontational way. That we can speak out against injustice.
The second thing, big picture thing that I want to draw your attention to out of Aaron's montage is the imam in Canada. No mask. Freely, in public, on camera, saying, if you don't hate unbelievers, you don't have any faith. The next one of you that comes to me and says, we all worship the same God, I'm going to test my own personal hermeneutic on what turn the other cheek means. Because I'm going to slap one of your ass cheeks, flip you over, and then uh, put my break my foot off in the other cheek. Both of them. Both. I'm going to turn the other cheek. After I turn one red, I'm going to turn the other one pink. How you like them apples? Turn the other cheek. Because you're dumb. Slight variance to love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Agreed? A little bit. A slight variant. Mutation. Which variant? Which variant if we all worship? Is that the B12? Is that the UK 3114, the Indian? Which variant if we all worship the same God is that little uh, turn of a phrase? Can anybody fill me in on that? Which it's, variant uh, it is? It's Thank you. Appreciate that. Canada, outdoors, in public, full view, no mask. What else went on outdoors in full view in Canada recently? Pastor was arrested. Yeah. On a pastor, pastor was arrested by a SWAT team in the street, and the crime was inciting people to go to church. Here's an imam in Canada inciting people to hate those that don't share their beliefs and of just sharing his COVID infested air with everyone else unencumbered by the magical mask. Where was the SWAT team for him? See that pastor in Canada was not confronted by a SWAT team for inciting people to go to church. He was confronted by a SWAT team for daring to say we have no king but Jesus. And the Canadian government isn't God. That's why. That is why. And they're not afraid of us. I'm not talking about the sadistic ways we have seen historically in Islam. How about the healthy ways? The pushback. The societal cost of daring to try this with us. They're not afraid. They're afraid of him, though. Actually, game recognized game. They saw someone wearing their jersey. They're on the same side. Gentlemen, your thoughts on those two items. Well, the last one in particular, speaks to what I said yesterday about um, analogies related uh, to the Nazis. Yet here is one. It's it's not that that's an people are still alive, affected by it. We almost don't have any left, but it is recent history, relatively speaking. This is right here, north of our border, happening in real time. Yet we continue to lie to ourselves about returns to normal. Again, normal sucked. Normal 
got us here. Make sure that normal never happens again because the people that Steve is talking about are already here in our nation in greater numbers than they are in Canada. They just don't have the moment and moments yet to do everything at that level, but it's right there. It's right there. These times are are bleak, but again, it's it's never a better time to remind ourselves um, of the theme, what happens to be the theme of the show this year, that the answer is us. Very quickly, and it as Todd has said, it would be a route. If everybody just in their local communities actually who who on any level identifies with you and I right now, on any level actually takes action, <laughs> runs for their local school board, says, uh not in our community, we're not doing drag queen story time as the price of freedom in our library. We're not doing this. Um, you're not getting funding in this school. We're going to call the state's bluff. We're going to call the federal government's bluff on any number of things that they're teaching our kids. If just uh, even a fraction, even a fraction of the people even watching this show did this across the country, it would be over in a route. The only reason that we keep continuing to see the drip, drip, drip of the spirit of the age is because there, there aren't enough, frankly. John Solomon from Just the News will join us next. Stay tuned. You know, when you're running a business, particularly a small business, human resource issues can be a killer, whether it's wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations. You know, the average HR manager salary in the country is about 70K a year. That's why you need a service called Bambi. It's spelled B as in boy, A-M-B-E-E, BAM and B, created specifically for small businesses like yours. You get a dedicated HR manager that will help you craft your HR policy, maintain your compliance, and it's all for just $99 a month. That can help you turn one of your biggest liabilities into one of your biggest strengths. Your dedicated HR manager comes with phone, email, real-time chat as well. Uh, From onboarding to terminations, they help customize policies to fit your small business. And by the way, it's also month-to-month. No long-term contracts or hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. Maybe it sounds too good to be true. If you're a small business owner, why not find out for yourself? Bambi.com slash Steve is where you can go to schedule your free HR audit and see if they know what they're talking about. Bambi. Again, Bam and B. Bambi.com slash Steve. Get your free HR audit today at Bambi.com slash Steve. Well, he has, it took a while, but our next guest has recovered from the questionable decision to have once offered me a gig at the Washington Times, the black mark that that put on his resume. It took many, many, many years to overcome, but now it appears that he's doing well. John Solomon at Just the News. Good to see you, John. How are you? It is good to be with you, Steve, and congratulations on the success of the book. It is a fantastic book, and as someone who investigated Anthony Fauci, going back to 1999, um, 
tremendous success. You've done a great public service, so congrats. Thank you, John. I really appreciate it. Uh, and um, I, I appreciate a lot of the work you do. I take a look at it on a daily basis. But uh, I thought I was pretty informed on the topic of Fauci. But when uh, you had me on your podcast talking about Fauci and Bargain, you told me a couple of things I didn't know, and I'm guessing, therefore, a lot of our own audience didn't either. Can you fill them in on those details, Sean? Absolutely. Back in the days when I worked for the Associated Press, I, I did a series of FOIAs based on a whistleblower case I heard about inside of Anthony Fauci's um, division inside NIH, so the Infectious and uh, Allergen and Infectious Disease Unit of NIH. And we had this whistleblower that had been fired wrongly for uh, raising concerns about a woman's death. There was a woman who was in an AIDS experiment funded by Fauci's group. And we started to dig, and the more we d dug, the more we learned that there was a real breach, a mentality of constantly breaching the ethics of, uh, of medicine to accomplish the goals of the agency. And uh, perhaps the most stark of all the stories we did, there were a lot of stories we did. For instance, we learned that there were scientists, including Fauci himself, who would make inventions with the American taxpayers' money, and then they would put the patent in their name and they would collect the royalties on the patent, mm. even though you and I and everyone else paid for them. We, there were uh, times when ethics rules were chronically being uh, set aside, canceled, uh, conflicts being waived. You have someone in a conflict, which is, oh, don't worry about it. You can do the study anyways. Um, but the, perhaps the one that most resonated with the American public was Fauci funded a study of HIV drugs on foster children in New York City. So these were children who are not HIV positive. He needed to have a control group to see what side effects, these very toxic drugs, very important if you have HIV or AIDS, right, to have these drugs, but they didn't know how they acted on children. So most parents wouldn't volunteer their children for such a dangerous experiment. So he went to the city welfare department of New York City and got numerous scores of foster children without a parent, without that normal protection to be volunteered without their will into testing these drugs. And, and what he had promised to do is, all right, I know this is a vulnerable population. We'll create a um, advocate for each child so that they'll watch their health, they'll check their medical chart. If something's going bad, they'll protect the child, stop the experiment. And then they failed to provide those advocates for nearly all of the children. This became a scandal in New York City, became a scandal in the medical uh, commission. There were a lot of ethics um, investigations that followed it. Somehow he survived those revelations uh, and today you know, was the chief of the pandemic. And I think we've seen Fauci's, you know, uh, what I, I like to call it moral relativism. He's admitted to it himself, which is sometimes the ends justify the means. He has told us he was willing to lie to us and fudge the numbers on COVID in America to keep people staying in compliance with COVID rules long, longer. That's a bad idea for a public servant to fudge the truth, even if your intention you state is good. We saw that in these that same pattern. Hey, these kids, it's worth putting these kids at risk because we're gonna get a greater good. Well, what about those children and their lack of protection? That moral relativism went through all of these storylines over the last two decades, every time I covered a story about Anthony Fauci. Just to reiterate, John, you did these stories for AP? Yes. I did. So for those that don't work in the media in our audience, you know, the Associated Press is like the mouth of the river of America, yes. of American mainstream journalism. They determine ethical codes, um, stylistic wording. I mean, they, they are the Rosetta Stone here and everything else, even the mighty New York Times, Washington Post, all flow out of that original source material 
from the AP. So, I mean, you don't get any more mainstream than this, which means this isn't just something that half the country that doesn't consume alternative media has some cognitive dis- dissonance or willful dissonance of, of not knowing or not wanting to know. This, this is as transcendent of a news source as exists in the country, particularly in the era that you're talking about. Yeah, back then people cared about the truth, not the outcome. And today we have too much agenda journalism. And but back then the AP was a, you know an incredible news organization. I was blessed to work there for two decades. And you know you saw the impact. Uh, the whistleblower who was fired by Anthony Fauci's team got reinstated. Congress got involved. The New York City government investigated how its welfare department could do this, and then failed to make sure the protections were in place. These stories resonated because people back then didn't care about which political side won. They were more worried about the protection of patients, the the uh, the requirements of ethics. Were we running government well? And so the stories resonated. The mainstream media covered it, and and you know, we learned a lot and we corrected a lot of wrongs at that time. I think some people wish that Anthony Fauci had been fired back then. Uh, but he lived on. And I think today, the work we saw him do during the pandemic is very reminiscent of what we uncovered during that two or three year run of investigative stories at the Associated Press. You bet it is, John. I mean, this this is um, what's passed as prologue here. I mean, you're, you're you see there's a pattern of behavior this because th- I think there's been a lot of hey, let's have mercy triumph over judgment here. This is a once in a century, or at least once since the Hong Kong flu, half century pandemic. We got caught, uh, ambushed, blindsided, our knickers down. People are trying to make really difficult decisions on the fly. What, what your previous work doc documents, though, is there is a history here of this sort of, of cavalier, utilitarian, uh, Machiavellian sort of manipulation um, going on, that this wasn't just, hey, we don't know what we're up against here. Is it droplets? Is it airborne? This is this guy's MO. It's, it's just how he's operated for decades. Yeah, listen, whenever you tried to challenge him, he would say, listen, I'm doing a greater mission. I'm trying to solve uh, these diseases. I'm trying to rid the world of scourges. And all that is true. But there's a reason why we have ethics rules. There's a reason why we have honesty rules. There's a reason why we have ethics rules to avoid ethical conflicts, to ensure patient safety. And those always seem to be, when they became an obstacle to Anthony Fauci or his team, because not all this was at Fauci, Mm -hmm. he created a culture, I think, within his division that resented oversight, resented being questioned. The guy who was the whistleblower was brought in specifically to try to make sure they follow their ethics rules. And the second he blew the whistle the first time saying, hey, we should do this a different way. This is what the ethics code said. He got the royal treatment and fired for no good reason. The truth of the matter is history shows that Anthony Fauci and his team chafed at any oversight. They chafed at being questioned. And I think now more than ever, Anthony Fauci's judgment and work had a long public service career. We honor him for that. But his work, his judgment, his questions need to be overseen in a way critically. We just shouldn't take him at his word anymore because his word has been proven time and again to be wrong, including just this week when he flipped and flopped and flipped again on this issue of whether uh, the virus could have emanated uh, from a lab accident after a year of telling us it was a naturally occurring virus. So um, uh, I do think, listen, the best thing we can do is to oversee our government with, with a robust oversight system. Anthony Fauci's division has often gotten a free pass. It is time to just do honest oversight. What he got right, we should say. What he got wrong, we should say. And learn from it and move on. Unfortunately, I think the 
the Anthony, uh, Anthony Fauci vaudeville show will distract everybody and we may not really do the type of oversight that will make our government, our public health sector better. And that will be a travesty if we fail to use this moment as a learning moment. One of the things that also concerns me about this uh, past precedent that, that you cover, John, is the idea that certain human beings basically, maybe we wouldn't say they're fully expendable, but less inexpendable than others, like the foster kids. Um, uh, so, uh, it, it, I mean, they're not, they're not getting adopted. Nobody wants them. So they're just kind of a mild form of chattel that we can experiment on. That's, a, that's a kind of a Chinese... That's kind of a yeah. Chinese scientific ethic, isn't it? It, it? That story really rattled in my heart. At that time, I had a seven, eight-year-old son. And, and, you know, it just, it rattled in my own heart to think that, you know, in the name of science, we could be this blind to the possibility that a child was at risk. And also pick the most vulnerable population. Mm -hmm. There was another episode, uh, was the beginning of the whistleblower complaint, where a young woman who had HIV died during an experiment. I think it was with the drug nevirapine, which is widely used and very useful in the fight against AIDS. But there were some comments in the emails after the death had been hidden for a while and came out. And it was like, oh, it was just one woman. Look, at we're, we're trying to solve AIDS, one woman. And the callousness, and I don't remember the exact words, but I remember the sentiments of it. And I kept thinking, you know, the, the Hippocratic Oath is do no harm to any patient. It seemed as though there were uh, accepted casualties in the research. Uh, there was accepted exemptions to safety protocols because there was some higher calling. And I don't think there's any higher calling in medicine than to protect each and every patient that you have under your care. But, you know, people should go back and look at these stories. They've been out there maybe about eight months ago. I resurrected them and kind of did a best hits of what I wrote for the Associated Press and the Washington Post about Fauci. And a lot of people had their eyes open saying, well, we forgot about this stuff or we didn't know about it. Uh, but this pattern uh, of, of, of cutting corners, cutting the truth uh, has been around for a while. And I think people have to make their own judgment what they think of Anthony Fauci with a full view of the picture. Certainly your book gives them a much fuller picture than the media ever gave us during this pandemic. John, final thing I want to ask you about, what is the impetus of, we understand why the political science evolved so fast on masks with no additional data. They'd run into a brick wall with vaccine distribution. They were making indefensible arguments that were essentially arguing against their own vaccination effort. All right. So they, they knew they had to get out from underneath that eventually. But this massive retcon that's gone down in just the last 72 hours, it's it's one of the most cynical gaslightings, I think, in the entire history of like Western civilization. We're now suddenly now, now the White House is even contemplating that it was purposefully leaked from that lab, they said yesterday, okay? So yeah. what is the, put your journalistic instincts on, John. What what are they trying to get ahead of here? What, what's the sudden what impetus for this massive retconning we're watching right now? Well, listen, we have amazing intelligence agencies and the idea that we don't have human intelligence and signal intelligence at this point that tell us what happened in that lab is almost improbable. The intelligence community knows something, and it's different. It's probably consistent with what Donald Trump was said and different than what the establishment said for an entire year, and now they have to own it, right? Well, so we're going to all pivot because someone found the truth of what you know Donald Trump's instincts, and I think early intelligence did. It's very important to note two things. In May of 2020, when my news organization was being banished and censored by Facebook, when we quoted a, a Chinese scientist saying, I think there was a lab accident, we were censored. Uh, the L Lawrence Livermore lab, one of the most prestigious labs in America, said that the two most plausible theories for this virus were evolution through wild and a lab accident. 
They put them on equal ground. That was being ignored by the media. We now know we had early intelligence that in October, some of the members of the lab were sick and that the lab appeared to go dark for like a two week period, which would be a normal protocol if you had a viral contaminant accident in your lab. All of this was sitting in plain view and somebody in the intelligence community or the political establishment suffocated, suppressed it, gave it a different thing. And the warning signs were last summer when Rick Grinnell, as he was walking out the DNI, uh, said, hey, there's an intelligence community report. I don't support it. It, 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 it posited the, the natural evolution. Rick Grinnell was signaling to us there was some intelligence out there that was being suppressed, that these people put out, these bureaucrats put out a report that seemed to be intentionally misleading. I think we're going to get a full picture. I, I do think the Biden administration at this point should be applauded for doing the review now. We should have done it a long time ago. But we're going to get to the bottom of this truth. And I think it will be a real reminder of the dangers of censorship and the dangers of trusting uh, a permanent bureaucracy when they have an agenda other than the truth. John, thanks for joining us. You guys do great work over there. Follow you guys uh, in my feeds thanks, every day uh, at Just the News. I'd highly recommend it, it to our lot. audience. Thank you, John. Take care. God bless. Okay, brother. Have a good one. You, you bet. Thoughts on that conversation? Yeah, that higher calling that he kept talking about, what they're supposed to be. Oh, there's a higher calling for them, all right. Man, these guys, they're Xerxes. I, I said it last week about the movie 300. That they, they absolutely have fashioned themselves as demigods, and they want to be worshipped. Uh, and if you don't, if you won't worship them, you will be used and abused for whatever whim that entertains them. It's that sick. I was going to save this for tomorrow's. Bleep Lord Nefarious says montage that we do for the Dace group. What he's talking about, I had not heard this story that John just laid out from New York using vulnerable children as chattel for science. It it does fit a very cold, chilling pattern Mm -hmm. with Dr. Anthony Fauci. During that that, um, appropriations, House Appropriations Subcommittee, meeting where he went one step beyond where he went with Rand Paul a few weeks ago and said, yes, we funded EcoHealth Alliance, but um, everything was done with, uh, uh, you know, in in reference to gain-of-function research. Everything was done in accordance to the guidelines. What I didn't show you is that, I believe it was earlier in that House uh, subcommittee on, on appropriations, basically... How much money should we give you guys? That, that's what this conversation was about. He was asked about the David Delayden story out of Pennsylvania about using aborted, I'm sorry, about using murdered baby body parts like scalps. The person asking him the question said, if you got scalps and they were sent to the University of Pittsburgh, you would have had to have had decapitations of these children. And Fauci gave some sort of, yeah, I'll, I'll look into that. I, you know, if, if we gave him a grant, I'm sure they, it followed. The, like, he couldn't even be bothered. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't disgusting to him. It was just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shrug. I'm not going to say anything. Because I don't trust myself. We'll just go to hour two. And 
Greetings. We're back with Hour 2 live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace alongside Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can do so by emailing the program, Steve at SteveDace.com. You can like us uh, on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. Look for at Steve Day Show if you want to follow me on Twitter. And then go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show if you're looking for clips of the program that you can watch later on and share for free. If you are a podcast listener, we're looking for you to please hit the subscribe button, whichever platform you podcast uh, us from, and leave us a five-star review on that podcast platform as well, because the more of you that do it, it helps the ranking, algorithms, uh, egos of everything associated with this show. We appreciate all of you that have done those two things for us already. Maybe they'll let you keep doing them again. I don't know if it works that way, but I'm willing to try um, if you are. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll get into three non-political questions, but we begin our hour here with Theology Thursday, which is brought to you by Real Estate Agents I Trust. You know, trying to get involved in the real estate market in any environment can be challenging, but especially, especially in these unprecedented times. Ding. Indeed. Like yesterday, for example, you know, um... Amy and I are talking about some things that need to be done around the house and who could be a good person, you know, to do this project for us or that project for us. And you know who I called up? Our real estate agent that sold us that house 15 years ago next month. Why? Because he proved himself to be trustworthy. We've kept in contact. We live in the same neighborhood. Um, I just 15 years later, and, and I knew he'd probably refer me to some people that um, our contractors and stuff that he works with, but then I knew I could trust him because he works with them, right? Wouldn't it be nice if you had a real estate agent relationship like that? You can find one, and the name kind of says it all on this website, realestateagentsitrust.com. And chances are it's going to be an agent that might just be a listener, watcher of, of Blaze TV radio and podcast, just like you are. So they go into the arrangement with the same values that you do. Head to this website, find an agent, just about anywhere you want to go in America or leave for that matter. Uh, and we'll come in and take charge. But then remember that ultimately you're the one that's in charge, right? And they've got a verified track record of success at realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, let's get to some Theology Thursday. And I've got a couple of notes here from the audience that I want to respond to. And this question I've gotten from, in fact, both of these are questions I've gotten from numerous members of the audience. So this is just a collective reply to several of you. Can you define, I, I've, the, the question usually comes, I'm a new listener, watcher, or I'm turning new people onto your show and they're curious what this expression means. Can you define what you mean by the spirit of the age and why you use that term? Yes. The, we are, are um, broadcasters. So the three of us that host this show, all of us are on somewhere passengers on the narrow road, if you get my, if you're catching my drift here, okay? So somewhere we, and, and sometimes we fall down on that road, sometimes we skid off of it into the bushes and have to get back on it. But over the long course of time, our goal is to be passengers on a narrow road. It can be challenging, though, 
to be passengers on a narrow road while working in an industry called broadcasting. <laughs> that could be a challenge, right? Um, who's your audience? Who are you trying to reach? Well, everybody. All right, so you're trying to reach everybody, but you know going in that a good portion of people are going to reject and disagree with that message. Correct. But you still want to try to see if you can get them to watch or listen anyway. You bet. Right? Yeah. That that can be a, 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 a difficult obstacle course to maneuver. And sometimes, you know, what's that show we used to watch with the kids? Um, you know, or they were doing the giant obstacles and they'd get smacked in the face and fall in the water. What am I thinking Wipe of? Wipeout. Wipeout, yes. And we, there was even a, a Wii game we used to play with the kids when they were little that they got a kick out of too. Doing a show where you're passengers on a narrow road and it's meant to be still a broadcast. So you have a narrow message, but the audience is supposed to be as broad as you can reach. Um, it Sometimes for those of us trying to navigate this, uh, this obstacle course, feels like a uh, wipeout. And sometimes you're the windshield and sometimes you're the bug. Okay. Uh, and there's this old biblical notion of being wise as a serpent, innocent as a dove. So, for example, uh, in the New Testament, you see Jesus doing the things of the Messiah. When John the Baptist, um, his cousin, is arrested and is being threatened with execution, John sends one of his remaining disciples to Jesus, almost as if, all right, man. I know we're like bros and all, and I baptize. I just, I'm fine going down for the cause. I just want like one more reassurance that this was, that you were the right cause. And so the question is, are you the Messiah? And Jesus doesn't say, I'm the Messiah. He says, go and tell John this, the blind see, the lame walk, the good news is preached to the poor. Meaning he he says, I'm doing the ministry. He's paraphrasing Isaiah 61, actually, when he says that from the Old Testament. Uh, he says, I'm doing the ministry of the Messiah. Go show John the fruit, the proof of what is happening. So all throughout the New Testament, Jesus does the stuff of the Messiah, right? Yes. But does he constantly proclaim himself to be so? Quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. In fact, there are times he says, it's not yet time to reveal this. It, there are times that he says, hey, um, the, mo the moment isn't right. Okay, he doesn't always declare himself, but he lets his but he always does let his actions define himself. I wonder, and I don't know this for sure, maybe one of the reasons he didn't always declare himself definitively is because doing so would have gotten in the way of the actions and the the debate over his declaration. You see that, for example, at his trial. When the religion, the head of the religious council says, hey, enough of this. Definitively, are you the Messiah to come? And he definitively now declares himself that that is the case by quoting from the prophet Daniel's messianic prophecies. And he attributes those to himself. And at that point in time, the whole debate now centers around not his character or his actions, but his declaration, right? Would that have happened much earlier and throughout his earthly ministry if he constantly made this declaration? Would it have been a distraction from the, his actions and, and his character? So he does the thing, doesn't always declare the thing because the timing wasn't right. How that applies to how we do our show is we realize we, we probably push the audience and the boundaries further 
than maybe we even thought we'd get away with when we got into this business. So praise God for that. But we also understand that ultimately um, we are in a business arrangement. The show, this show has a ministerial intent, but it is not a nonprofit. So it's, it's not a ministry formally. It is, it is causally, but it's not formally one. It's not structured as one. It's formally structured and chartered as a for-profit event. And so trying to navigate that can be complicated at times. How far, how, how, are there other ways we can say things or demonstrate things than if we definitively declare them, like I just talked about with, with Christ in the New Testament. If I definitively declare something, the whole debate now becomes about that declaration, as opposed to it's the, the characteristics, the integrity, and the, the, the terminology, no, that's not the right word, the, um, the, the methodology of that declaration. So if I come out and say all the time, that's satanic, that's satanic, that's satanic, that's demonic, that's satanic. First of all, given what's going on in our culture right now, I mean, you just heard something satanic, I would argue, from John Solomon at Just the News. The idea that Anthony Fauci experimented on innocent children that he viewed as just cast-offs because they were in the foster system in order to provide a cure for a very deadly virus that... I'm glad they have found ways to treat it so it's not an instant death sentence like it was, Todd, when you and I were little right. kids. But we are also talking about a vi virus that is almost exclusively behaviorally spread by adults who know that if they don't do these behaviors uh, in a certain way, it's not even the behaviors themselves, but in a certain way. If I don't do these behaviors in a certain way, I'm not going to get a virus primarily sp spread by a fluid exchange. And in order, in order to save adults who lack so much self-control that they couldn't even mitigate the fact they were doing these activities and do them in a different way that they were doing them to make them vulnerable to this, we're going to experiment on kids who are innocent, have nothing to do with this because they're just chattel and we don't really care. They're the control group. I would argue that's satanic. Here's the thing, though. If we go around using those two words all the time on the show, what is the entire debate? Now, maybe we're wrong, but this is what strategically we're operating, uh, operating with. What's the entire debate about all the time? I think it's about those two words. They're so loaded. They've been caricatured, misused, disabused, um, that I think it, it just, the minute you say them, like everybody, it's like the, the squirrel, we call them, used to call them squirrel moments on the show from the movie Up, right? The, you, you say a bunch of things, but if you drop a certain buzzword or two, so, squirrel, and, and like the dog, everything you said before and after is irrelevant. My whole focus is on this thing, this moment, this thing right here. Now, there are times that we absolutely just flat out say, hey, that is clearly satanic. That is clearly demonic, clearly. But given the volume of these events occurring in our world today, it would kind of bog the show down to go there and then have to deal with everybody's react collective reaction every time they hear that terminology. 
So what's a euphemism? So those with ears to hear know what I'm talking about. And it doesn't bog the, we can have the same conversation. It doesn't hold it back and allows the conversation to move along and keep going. Well, when something is so legion and metastasized, it's a zeitgeist. That's a weird, funny word. It's actually not even a native English word. But there is a phrase for this in the New Testament, what we're talking about. And that phrase is the spirit of the age. And so that's why we use that term. It's a, it's a catch-all euphemism code word. Dare I even say dog whistle. For those with ears to hear, to know what we're talking about here is a physical manifestation of evil that comes from a spiritual realm. That's what we mean when we use that term on this show. That malevolent spirit, that presence, that influence is not of our physical world. This is merely a physical manifestation or channeling of that which comes from the underworld or the spiritual world. That's what we mean by that. You guys have any thoughts on that before I answer the second question? No, that was good. I mean, that's good. Very good. And I haven't even asked you guys what your thoughts are about using that as a euphemism. I just figured my name was on the show. Let's just go with that. And you guys have been kind to follow along. But do you you agree or disagree? I've never even asked you. So let me do it live on the air. Why not? (laughs) That's just a great time to game plan these things out. But do you agree or disagree with me that if we use the specific spiritual language, it could become a distraction given the, the broad diversity theologically that exists within our audience well speaking of wise as serpents and innocent as doves it, it even applies to the name of jesus we apply we all we say all the time let the lion out of its cage and it's absolutely right but you there you see you meant the, the degree of hurt brokenness that people within raised within the church have sometimes felt and they they need to be communicated about love at a particular time and place, God's love, so that that name can be restored to them and they have ears to hear. And there's all kinds of ways to do that. So I I think you are absolutely uh, being utterly uh, critical in your thinking about this because Christ himself, I mean, this this phrase has been so abused, meet people where they're at Mm -hmm. to just be thin girl, but... In its most robust sense, the Lord did it themselves. He he spoke to them in 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 simpleness, in parables, gave them the food that they specifically needed, but ultimately to be restored the same way everybody needs to be restored. It's a both and. So I I hope I only added to what you had to say and in no way muddied the waters because I think you're absolutely right. Ultimately, no matter what age in terms of years <laughs> that uh, that you've lived in or that any human being has lived in on this planet, ultimately you are either going to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit or by a or the spirit of this age. Uh, we call those who have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the church, the universal church. And I'm not talking about universalism, just the universal general 
name for the international body of believers. We call the spirit of the age those who are uh, indwelt with the other thing. We call that a number of things, but it is not it is not the church, the one true church. And so I think that's actually a pretty accurate description about where we are. Because the one thing progressive, we, we can interchange words, but the spirit of the age is bent on. It's what you were talking about in the first segment. Why was the imam free to spout his hatred? They're on the same team with the spirit of the age. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the Polish pastor arrested? I think we just answered that mm-hmm. question. So another question I've gotten a lot lately, I uh, saw it even again this morning when I posted on our Facebook page, uh, the Louisville study on uh, mask data, quantifying all the real-time data we have been showing you for the better part of this year, masks don't work uh, to slow the spread or mitigation of uh, COVID-19. And people aren't going to believe this. They don't care. They'll say it's not peer-reviewed, and then after it's peer-reviewed, they still won't care. They ignore everything. Um, That all may be true. And I hear this from a lot of you in my inbox in various forms. What's the use? You know, Jesus tells a parable about a shepherd who leaves 99 behind to find the one lost sheep. And the meaning of that parable is that even if you or me or any of you listening right now were the singular person God had called to salvation, Jesus still would have gone to the cross for just you or me as a singular person. I kind of think we owe him the same in reverse. Like even if our audience is, hey, my Lord knows I told the truth. I think sometimes let's not um, fight the culture war at the expense of the culture. Meaning we get so bogged down in fighting the culture war that we forget whose culture this and every other culture ultimately belongs to anyway. Jesus said, all power under heaven, under heaven and earth has been granted to me. In Revelation, he refers to himself as the ruler of God's creation. He is Lord, not us. So keep posting the truth because he said so. Regardless of how many agree, disagree, the culture may go right into the toilet. Oh, well, that sucks. But leave no one with excuse that they didn't hear. No one, let no one ever be able to question the character and integrity of God or his people. Well, you didn't warn me. You didn't tell me. Oh, yes, we did. Now receive your reward in full. That's just the latest lie you've believed or said. Rebuke them with the truth anyway. Regardless of the outcome, they may not. You know, we've, we've said before that people are either sheep or wolves. That, that sheep don't know and wolves don't want to know. 
That doesn't mean, though, that wolves cannot be redeemed. That's not what that means. But they need to be treated differently than a sheep. When it comes to sheep, mercy triumphs over judgment. When it comes to the wolf, you got to whoop that ass. The wolf needs to be confronted. This is where Paul says to the church in Corinth, take that guy with his arm around, what it basically is his mom, throw him out. Like, you're even letting him sit in the front row. He shouldn't be in the building. Throw that guy out. Throw him out. Get rid of him. Now, why? So that Satan will have his way with him, Paul says, so that he will, he will face pain for being a wolf. Dude is sitting there with his arm around his stepmom, de facto mom, in church. Like he's like a boss. Nope. Nope. Not how we roll here. Throw that wolf out. Then maybe when he learns being a wolf ain't all it's cracked up to be, when he goes on Team Wolf, Team Spirit of the Age, starts facing consequences for the way he thinks and behaves, he might come back humble as a sheep. Confront wolves with rebuke. The people who lie, whine, refuse, rebuke them even harshly or harsher. With persistence. When little Zoe, well, unfortunately, little Zoe ain't that little anymore. She looks at me eye to eye. (laughs) When little Zoe could not be contained in any parking lot in America... That kid, if I turned around, was gone in 60 seconds, man. When I'd finally run and catch up to her and grab her by the back of her hoodie and yank her out of a parking lot before a car hit her, first thing I said to her was a rebuke. Even those gorgeous little eyes. Don't ever do that again. That's bad. Dangerous. Pain. She needed a rebuke. She needed to understand the gravity of the situation. Because it was clear the first few times when I tried to tell little Zoe nicely and politely, because spoiling her is kind of my default mechanism when it comes to her, she didn't listen. So I guess I could have just kept being nice. And then one day, unfortunately, maybe I watch a car broadside Zoe in the Hy-Vee parking lot because she didn't get the message. She needed to be rebuked. Rebuked. For example, Bruce Jenner's out here now saying that he actually is now in favor of boys competing against girls in girls sports. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Remember when some of you said you were going to return my book to Amazon for pointing out what a bunch, what a ship of fools every last one of you were? Why did I rebuke you so harshly? Simply because it felt good to me? Oh, I ain't gonna lie. That's at least partially it. Yeah. But that's not the true motivation. Because you're dumb and should know better. 
So Jenner comes out, does his little uh, two-step with a ridiculous-looking Sean Hannity on Fox News with a campaign website with no issues but a donate button because it's run by a complete grifter. And even people in this audience, in this audience, man, just danced the two-step to that siren song and then just got wickedly mad when you pointed out it was dumb. Then a few days later, Jenner was like, I don't know what a border is. I don't know what a citizen is. A few days later, it was another issue he flip-flopped on. I don't even remember what it was now. And now we've come full circle because he told you the first time on Hannity, no boy should not be competing against girls. And then yesterday he said, boys should not be competing against girls except when they should, which is now. <laughs> oh, you fools. You need to be rebuked. And harshly. Until you feel so ashamed that you fell for this canard that in your conscience you vow you'll never do this again. Detractors against Christ for his miracles claimed that he had a demon in him. And he responded in a curious way. He said, Beelzebub, which is one of the slang terms for the devil, uh, Beelzebub cannot cast out Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies, meaning evil can't cast out evil. You needed to be a complete and total fool to believe a tragic figure like Bruce Jenner, one of the greatest athletes in the history of this country, one of the quintessential figures and, and portraits of 20th century American masculinity, who then falls prey to the very spirit of the age engulfing California to mutilate himself and humiliate himself in the process. That that was going to be what the, 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 the man, the man who is one of the worst victims of that spirit of the age, he would be your crusader against it while he is still engulfed in it? That Beelzebub could cast out Beelzebub? No, you're fools. And, after the, and, and, and if after this last year we've been through and the amount of critical thinking it took to endure this last year, to successfully push back on COVID, Stan. And the first time someone uses the term electable Republican, you go right, you lift up your skirts and invite them in. Then no, no, I will not be nice. I don't have time for nice. I've got two daughters. This guy's got four. No, and we all have wives. We do not have time for nice. Fool. You will be rebuked. Until you're so ashamed, you're like, you know what? You're right. That was dumb. I'm not doing it again. Any closing thoughts? Uh, we go back to the beginning of where you started, Steve, and about what's the point. Again, there is 
the pro there is no promise of results and certainly not immediately uh to even ask that question out loud implies such little faith in faith that you know Christ himself and the apostles it was going through all of their heads after that crucifixion what's the point but they got a glorious answer why don't you trust that that's the point right there in all things no matter what you can see through a glass darkly that is the point it's hard but it's not complicated and a lot of people these days almost always want to make this way more complicated than it really is so they do not simply have to embrace the hard part i think we should probably ease up after the last half hour or actually hour that john solomon interview is pretty heavy as well Mm -hmm. so we'll do that with three non-political questions well i'll take a deep breath and be somewhat likable again next For a quarter century now, Alliance Defending Freedom has been protecting religious liberty, um, the sanctity of human life, and at no cost to their clients, winning about 80% of their cases as well. But in order to keep doing that pro bono, they need support from people like us. Uh, If you want to make a tax-deductible donation uh, to Alliance Defending Freedom, because you never know, it could be your religious liberty. Uh, that is at stake in the near future. ADFlegal.org slash Steve is where you can go to donate at ADFlegal.org slash Steve. Again, that's ADFlegal.org slash Steve. We just had on one of ADF's attorneys with uh, Jack the Baker there in Denver, Colorado. What was that, just last week yeah. uh, on the show? Uh, and they helped win his first case, and it looked like they're going right back to the Supreme Court for poor Jack. Again, the lone baker in all of Denver, right? Who, who knows? You might end up being the low the lone florist in savannah you might end up being the lone so-and-so in dayton whichever town you live where the spirit of the age comes knocking on your door and says we're going to test your metal adf uh specializes in helping people like you and then while you're supporting them seeking at them to expand their support for us because I can't tell you the amount of emails and stuff I'm getting from people right now. My job is forcing me that I can't work here without taking an experimental non-FDA approved substance called an mRNA vaccine. What do I do? They won't take the masks off my kids at their school districts. Again, we need an organization that has the track record of success that ADF has in these key areas that we already talked about. We need them to expand their portfolio into where the battle is raging the hottest right now. Do I have a freedom? Does my child even have have a freedom to breathe. Can you if force me, force me to disclose to you whether I have taken an experimental injection or not? That to work at Whole Foods, I have to get a vaccine that if I take this vaccine, by the way, I can't then go give blood and plasma. They won't let me give plasma if I take this vaccine, but I have to take this vaccine into my plasma in order to work at Whole Foods. That's how we roll here in America now. We need organizations like Alliance Defending Freedom to step up to the plate and defend our freedoms on issues like that, just as they have so many other key and important issues 
in the past. ADFlegal.org slash Steve is the website. It's time for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Yes, indeed, especially as you mentioned, Steve, after the last 40 minutes, we need to make ourselves a little bit more likable, I guess. And in that vein, I have our first question for you. Actually, it's a specific question, one for Steve, one for Todd. Steve, what is your hottest take on Catholicism? And Todd, what's your hottest take on Protestantism? Go. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We're having tryouts. I think I told the audience we were going to lighten the mood after the last hour. I don't know why I found that so funny. Question one. Because it was, actually, because it was very funny, as a Uh, matter of fact, yes. Question one. If you could only watch one movie for the rest of your life, it doesn't matter if you watch it one time or 70 times, but you only have one movie to watch for the rest of your life, what would it be? Return of the King. I've asked this question before. It, It would be Return of the King. Would you watch it on loop or just once? Or maybe once every year. Um, I wouldn't watch it on loop or once a year, but I'd probably watch it repeatedly throughout the year. Yeah. I love the world building. I love the characters. I love being immersed in that world. I love the redemptive end. I love the the courage and valor it takes to reach that redemptive end. I think it touches on so many existential and transcendent cosmic themes. I think it's a perfect Example of filmmaking, like perfect, flawless. There is no mistake. Um, and it's chicken soup for the soul, man. So that's what I would take. I think Return of the King is overlooked after um, after the the second one, which is escaping me right now, um, because of the th- the two towers. Yeah, the two towers because of that fantastic. Um, battle, the Battle of Helm's Deep. Mm-hmm. That's what always stands out from the entire series for me is the Battle of Helm's Deep. But I think, I think Return of the King gets overlooked. It is a fantastic, a fantastic movie. Todd, I'm always amazed that uh, you like th- uh, that movie more than uh, Endgame. Yeah, because it's you. You like your technology and you you joke about being the ugly american and you say but then you just said you love immersing yourself in that world and that yeah. world is stripped bare of yeah. all of that stuff so i i, I love mean, that i love i love endgame too and it does many of oh, the I exact same do. things yes. just return of the king does it even better and more blatantly yeah no it's absolutely uh a beautiful film oh goodness once there's there's so so many movies uh, that would fit this bill. I think maybe, maybe Braveheart. I, I that's I, a good choice, man. Absolutely. I I think of the movies that I had a call last night with one of the producers of the Nefarious Plot movie because we're having casting conversations right now, and I don't know how it even came up, but it, one of them said that's their all-time favorite movie is Braveheart. Yeah. I mean, there's there's movies I like just as much. But it it just hits on enough of the notes that a man needs to hear and always needed to hear 
throughout human history, but certainly right now, you know, finish the race. Uh, so that's what I got today. The answer tomorrow would have probably been different. That one came to mind. Kind of the same way. It depends on which, which day you ask me. The thing with the Lord of the Rings, like if I'm going to watch one of them, I have to watch all of them, you know, in, in, in a fairly quick succession. Not back to back because nobody's got that kind of time. But for me right now, it'd be Endgame. Um, I mean, the movie is three and a half hours. If you're going to have one movie that you watch for the rest of your life, you don't want it to be like an hour and 20 minute movie. You, you no. need it to be long. Yeah. Um, so it's like three and a half hours and it goes by like that uh, in a Thanos snap, if you will. Um, so yeah, just in the themes I was watching, I was watching not too long ago, just, just the, the final battle scene and just the resolve, the steely resolve that Captain America shows he's, he's beaten, he's beaten by Thanos, but yet he straps his shield, his, his tattered shield to his, his forearm once again and, and enters the breach. It's just it's powerful. One of many powerful moments in that uh, in that movie. All right, Phil Mickelson. Is he the first? Um, is the the oldest to win a major or oldest to win the PGA? Uh, major, both. Yeah, yeah. So what's one by thing, a couple of years? Yeah. actually. Yeah, because yeah, Jack Nicholas was forty eight, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's one thing you hope to accomplish after you're fifty years old? That's, you want to go first? That's a coming up. Good grief! Yeah, I don't have much, I don't have much time. Yeah. Um, I want to make a killer movie. That's because I don't have much time. So I'm 47 now. So I don't, this would be a more interesting question for you. You've got two decades of projection. I've got what, 36 months. Okay. So I'm trying to think of what's going to go down in those 36 months. Um, before I hit that magic number and I want to make, um, a killer movie that, that knocks, that draws blood from the spirit of the age. That's what I want to do before I'm 50. Uh, gosh, I, you know, I, I'm not sure I want to do it because if I wanted to do it for sure. I would ultimately do it, but there's several good reasons why it wouldn't happen. But I, I'm legitimately the 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 desire to serve uh, in public office. It's oh, I, I for the soul. I mean, I think even under the worst of circumstances, and this speaks to what we just talked about in theology Thursday, just to stay faithful, because I've already proven enough in my life. When I was less certain, when I was younger, I just did it because I knew it was right. But I, I ultimately, with God's grace, came through the trials of certain things just because it was the right thing to do. And uh, to to go in with a, and it's it speaks to what Steve talked about yesterday. What if we had this version of Ted Cruz? What if we had this version of Rand Paul? Well, that was the overtime. But oh, I, I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, yeah, no, was, I, I'm only saying that wanted, so people you know, know what that, where yes, that came yes, from. That's right. That's okay. But, but what? To be that version all the time and without any apologies and to see how many people could, what if, like Aaron said, what if you just got that mighty band of Avengers assemble? Man, we could have a lot of fun. You're really going to do that, aren't you, Todd? Well, I don't know. I got a pretty good job. So, uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm saying it would have been a lot more 
guaranteed if I wasn't doing what I'm doing. I mean, of course, I can see riding this out into the sunset, whatever that is. Uh, but it's it, it, and maybe maybe someday, like I said, all of us four years ago thought maybe in some capacity we'd be riding Steve's coattails, riding Ted Cruz's coattails into Washington D.C. You know, heck, wouldn't I would love to be part of the restoration of the American capital city in all of its phases. That would be an honor. That would be an absolute honor. See, I think if Cruz had won, I would not be in DC. I mean, I know there was no guarantee or anything, but I, I I know we even had conversations about, could you imagine me like as white house spokesperson? (laughs) I think, no, that, that I think probably I'd be the Charlie Kirk for lack of a better, um, metaphor i think i'd probably be the charlie kirk of ted cruz world i'd be the guy that um runs the the political um philosophical outreach aspect of it you know what i'm saying i mean guys i might end up i would maybe nuke his presidency in that white house press room i mean it would last it'd be funnier too for a day and then after a while, everybody would be like, come on, man. Okay. Because it would just be zero Fs given. You know what I'm saying? And, he, and, and we think that's funny, but he, has to, he does have to be president of all the people at some point. You know what I mean? Yeah, but don't, you, you just got done talking about broadcasting. You got it in you. And so therefore, I go into a venue where I can do more of that kind of broadcasting. Yeah. Like, that's to me, the broadest to me, of casting. To, because, because here's the thing. I know I'm in a room of wolves. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I know that there's very few sheep in this room, and so I'm flamethrowing this thing every day. Yeah. Or if you put me in a in an environment like where the Trump team is done with Charlie Kirk, then I have a chance to reach new people, and I'm going to communicate differently. That's the point I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You put me... You put me in that White House press room, dude, and it's hammer meets nail, boot and uh, boot meets ant. Talk to Windshield me. meets bug, you know... I don't see any problems <laughs> so far. I don't know. What are we doing here? I just don't think you can run a presidency like that every day. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay. I'd be like, um, that's BS. Next. Okay. I mean, I just, I will say this. I've had my differences where they're during the primary. Kaylee McEnany came kind of close oh, to that a couple shit. of times. Okay. But I, I'm not a woman. I have even less self-control and I would be doing to these people, you know, Every day, what I just did to my own, a portion of my own audience on Bruce Jenner. But with joy. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Let's see. Question. No, I've got to answer that question. Uh, Raise at least one successful child. Um, That's a good goal. uh, Yeah. Successful is is a little bit subjective, but uh, I have my own definition. Uh, Question three. What's one item of food you've had before that you wouldn't eat even if you were starving? Canned spinach, canned peas. Even straight if up, you were, straight this up, is the last thing you'd up. rather die. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Canned spinach, canned peas. This is a long list. Okay. Steve has. What if it no, was it's really just those list. two things? No. 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 What if it was? What if it was pumpkin spice spinach? No. 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 We found well, it, Todd. Ah. No. <laughs> All right. If the option is death or pumpkin spiced spinach. I'm going to put my life in the very capable hands of the pumpkin spice, okay? But it would take something extraordinary, like pumpkin spice, 
to salvage that canned spinach or those canned peas. They're that vile. They're that nasty. They're just how, nasty. How did you eat your peas? Um, I Are didn't. fresh? I, no, out of the can. The canned variety I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But how do you eat them now? Or do you just I not don't, eat them? I just okay. don't. They're, like, they're never even allowed, allowed in my home. I can't even handle the smell. Like, they're not even allowed. What do peas smell like? Bad. <laughs> I, well, I was trying to think of what words can I say, okay? Excrement. Really? Um, they're just, I mean, it's just the thought of the smell. It, it just, it turns my insides out. Uh, no, no. What I'd do- rather make out with a chick who licked an ashtray than with a chick who just ate canned spe- uh, peas and spinach. Straight up. A full ashtray. Full ashtray. Straight up. There's a lot of foods I don't like, but I can't think of one that I absolutely wouldn't eat at risk of starving. Um, what am I... There's... What do you got, Aaron? Tell, do you have one? Let me... I, I think... I think for me, it it's not necessarily... Um, it's not necessarily a, a singular f- food... Um, because basically I can appreciate anything as long as it's somewhat fresh. But um, I, I would say any any takeout that's more than like four or five days old, especially if it has avocado or anything like that, anything green on it. No, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to eat that. Sorry. I'm thinking Chipotle. Basically. But it's got to be four or five days old. Yeah. No, I'm on, three, the, I'm on the second day, brah. Three days, I'm good with that. I'm on the day after. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've gotten sick from it before. Shrimp would be a tough. I can see that. No, I love shrimp, but I can see if you got sick on something. Yeah. That's, a, that's an issue. Yeah, I get it. You just loathe it now? I never liked it before, but really? I... I, I the really? Because you can fry it? You can, you can uh, boil no, you it? Can. You can saute it? Uh, the first right. time I tried it, I got sick from it. And so now that's just etched in my memory. How can you live in Iowa and not like seafood? Iowa is known for its seafood, Todd. <laughs> is there a body of water within 500 miles of here that wasn't built by a concrete company that <laughs> dug a hole? Oh, gosh. We'll be back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.